Hello, Horror Fanatics. I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh! Oh, The the horror. Horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe or follow to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also submit any ideas, comments, and suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. You can check out our website at ohthehorrorpodcast.com. Connect to our social media, listen to back episodes, all that jazz. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here we are. Here we are. After a long break. <laughs> back at the beginning. Back at the beginning. <laughs> Episode 86. Yeah. The Black Arts, Black Magic. Black Magic. So I came up with a piece of audio. Okay. That would be a good introduction to this. Okay. And here it is. be no foolish wand-waving or silly incantations in this class. As such, I don't expect many of you to appreciate the subtle science and exact art that is potion-making. However, for those select few who possess the predisposition, I can teach you how to bewitch the mind and ensnare the senses. I can tell you how to bottle fame, brew glory, and even put a stopper in death. I could (sighs) listen to that scene over and over. Like, his presence and his voice in that scene. It just generally. Is magic. Yeah, it is. Like, he was built to be. To be Snape. Snape. Yeah. I mean, all the other movies, massive. Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, you look at his catalog. Yeah. And it's incredible yeah. the stuff he's done. Mm-hmm. Either it's the old Victorian-style stuff, the yes. the diehard. Do you remember? Evil, maniacal, in, bad guy. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, when he was the sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. And he comes in. That one time, and he's got the knife, and he's just going like this, and the witch goes, something vexes thee? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, and yeah. even, like, Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Like, he yeah. just plays these, but but it's him. It is. Every time. But it is. I remember the first time watching that, because that was Sorcerer's Stone. Yep. And he just, like, blasted those doors open. Yep. And came into that, and I re- it's still, look at yeah, the hairs. Yeah, you still have up, the goosebumps. The goosebumps yep. is still on my arm. Like, every time I hear that, it just, yeah. oh, man, it's so just wrong that he's gone. Yeah, it but, is. I mean, what a legacy to leave behind. Yeah, seriously. You know, so, yeah, I was driving here, and I was thinking, I was like, that would be cool yes. to play yeah. for the beginning of the Black Arts and Black Magic. Well, I mean, he is your defense against the black arts. Yeah. Well, that's teacher. when he was potions class. Though. Yeah, that's potions. Yeah, yeah. that was before defense uh, got all gobbly goo. Yeah. And he had to take it over, and that was awesome, too. It was. He just, like, walks in. What was he? He's, like, page 152, or I know there's some power <laughs> thing. That's like, no, it's not that. Whatever. Just, yeah. Yeah. No, he, he was just, 
magic in that series. He was. And he was. to me, I think that's the best story of a character, period. Because, yes. yes. like, you are instantly in the deal that he's up to something. He's yep. bad. He's yep. terrible. Yep. And he plays yep. that just. Shifty. Yeah. Yep. Like, you just, oh, fuck. Here Can't comes. trust him. Here comes fucking oh, Snape, man. Snape. Doesn't everybody else see what Snape's fucking up to? You yep. know, I mean, like, everybody uh-huh. has that attitude. It's like. Just masterful writing to create a character like that. I mean, she's just, she's an amazing author. Just creating that character alone. Yes. Let alone all the other characters, Mm -hmm. but the story and the love story with him. And, oh, it's just, oh, makes me want to watch the whole series. Over again. Over again. Yeah. 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 Well, after you played that, I. (laughs) It's hard not to. I got to finish the series I'm watching currently. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll I'll dive into that. What are you watching now? I'm watching the 4400. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I. uh, I had so many people tell me to watch that. It's not bad. Mm. Reader's Digest version. Sorry, guys, you only have till August 31st to watch it on um, Netflix. Here's my deal. If it's been years after, yeah, there's, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. there's no spoiler. So yeah. 4,400 people went missing at mm-hmm. various points of time. Time, yeah. From like the 40s through present day. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, all 4,400 of them reappear. Yeah, just come back at the same time. At the same time. Same place. In the same place. Well, no. Um, Oh, different. It's, they they all come at the same place, but they all came from, like when they were taken, they were taken from all over the world. No, but they arrive at the same place. They all got dumped off. Yeah. And then they're all just standing there. Oh. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> and they realize uh, pretty quickly that when they came back, they came back with abilities like mm-hmm. um, precognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a guy who could um, shatter glass yeah. and bones Yeah. Um, when he was upset. Uh, there's another one that can make anyone do anything. See... Like, if that were to happen in real life, I think my story in that is everybody would have those cool abilities, and, like, I'd be able to play, like, the mouth harp or well, something like that. Well, it's funny, because some you know, of them that came back didn't have any oh, they abilities. don't have anything? Yeah. And the whole point is um, they were taken by people from the future, mm. and they were given these abilities because... This is the, where the spoiler in comes the into future, play. In the future, humans are... On the verge of extinction. Mm -hmm. So their whole point was to send these 4,400 people back with these abilities to hopefully stave off the Mm. future die-out of the species. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's pretty good, I gotta say. Huh. Yeah. Sources. I have one. The Black Arts by Richard Cavendish. Yeah. Setting down Britannica for once. <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah. three uh, three sources. I had the Book of Forbidden Knowledge. Britannica? Nope. <laughs> Which, uh, the Book of Forbidden Knowledge is, it's good. Okay. I got it right here. Yep. 
I'm going to refer to it uh, here and there for some entertainment. Okay. Uh, the other book I have is the Book of Shadows. Yep. 150 spells, charms, potions, and enchantments for Wiccans. Potions. Potions. And the complete book of magic and witchcraft, including the rituals of black magic. Okay. Containing true sorcery, infernal necromancy, packs and the rites and mysteries of Gotic Thurgy, or Gautic. I always butcher that stuff up. I'm not a big enough follower to be on the hip stuff. (laughs) You know. So, how do you want to get into this? Uh, If you'd like, I can drive. Yeah, sure. Okay. You know. So, magic can be divided into two paths or practices. There's the right-hand path, which is your positive path. And then that's the magic that is uh, practiced by white practitioners, your green witches, your Wiccans, et cetera, et cetera. The left-hand path is reductive or the negative path, and this is the path of the black magician. Now, Aleister Crowley is touted as a black magician. Mm-hmm. However, he himself never claimed to be a black magician. The black path is the path of curses, zombies, negatively impacting another, gaining influence over another to get your desired result, et cetera, et cetera. So black magicians are driven by the pursuit for power by any means necessary. This was perhaps addressed best when Adam and Eve were afraid if they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would die. The serpent said, quote, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil, end quote. In occultism, the serpent is the poster child for wisdom. The black magician's ambition is to wield supreme power over the entire universe to make himself a god. Black magic is rooted in the darkest levels of the mind, and this is part of the attraction because it also is much more than the product of the love of evil or a liking of mysterious mumbo-jumbo. This is their attempt to exalt man and try to enact the knowledge known only by or reserved for God. Mm. So according to Cavendish, the black magician thinks of themselves as high-minded white magicians. I'm going to agree to disagree. A white magician does not practice the left-hand path, let alone use the left-hand path as the basis for their practice. Now, they will do spells or counter spells if they feel they are being acted upon mm. by a black magician, but of themselves, they do not practice this left. It's forbidden. It's forbidden magic. Except <laughs> when it's being used on you. Correct. Yeah. Well, it's not even, it's more like defense against the dark arts. Self-defense. That's what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. So though, Cavendish so notes, I normally don't pee on people, but if you pee on me, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pee on you. Yeah, <laughs> he does note that Crowley is highly regarded as a black sorcerer yeah. whose rituals are full of sex, blood, and barely fit the concept of white magic. Yet Crowley himself confessed nothing 
but contempt for black magicians. So, okay, whatever. Well, and I think the thing is, too, everybody likes to default on Crowley, and rightfully so. I'm mm-hmm. always going to be the person that pitches an episode, check our Crowley episode out. Yeah. Uh, to kind of get the whole gist of him if you don't. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you're into this stuff and you're listening to us and other people, and you don't you crawled under a rock every time Crowley's name was mentioned. You know, I don't even think you could do that on purpose. No, I don't think you could. But I mean, this stuff's been around for a while. Yeah. Long time. Oh yeah. I mean, I, in the uh, recorded sense, basically a lot of the books that I was reading, like the Grimoires and mm-hmm. stuff like that, it's basically about sixteen hundred was when it started being recorded on a like mass mass kind of level out. Outwardly, now, I've got some sources that take it back even further. Well, yeah, because you had the keys of Solomon and things like that. Yes. And yep. That's yep. uh, that's where I was heading with, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, sixteen hundred was where it was becoming a little more wider around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before sixteen hundreds, it was under, yes. you know, and it was underground it was. knowledge. It wasn't and something you promoted man, openly. If y- that's your your jam, like if you're interested in just how dark history can really be, I highly recommend that portion yeah. of Cavendish's book. The book itself is good. Um, I took issue with a couple things. For example, the black magicians regarding themselves as white magicians. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I mean, you're talking about two completely different things. You can believe whatever you want, but at the end of the day, if your actions are all in the reductive path, you don't get to claim any sort yeah, of but, white. But people do, you know, well, and that's what gives it a bad stigma. It's mm-hmm. like a cult. Yeah. You know, I mean, a cult will start out with the best intentions most of the time. Right. You yes. know, and then yes. it takes this weird turn. Mm-hmm. You know, or you have a just conceptually good idea mm-hmm. and someone morphs it into something and they think, oh, it's the greatest thing. Right, yeah. So they present it to you as, oh, okay, this sounds great. No, this isn't great. Yeah. You know, and, and that's uh that's cults, that's religions, that's everything. You know. Right. So, so old grimoires and magical textbooks instruct on how to call up evil spirits, killing people, causing hatred and destruction, forcing women to submit to the practitioner in love, and didn't consider themselves as black magicians, and I can't reconcile this no matter how hard I try. I just, I don't understand how you could do those things and not think for a second that it's black magic. Mm. These tomes are full of prayers to God, the angels, fasting, self-mortification, and piety. The grimoire of Honorius is usually quoted as the most diabolical, Diabolical, yet overflows with impassioned and perfectly sincere, sincere appeals to God and devout sayings of mass. The next, it includes tearing out the eyes of a black cock and slaughtering a lamb with the purpose of summoning the devil. So, I mean, do without what you will. It seems a bit harsh. Magic in and of itself is neither good nor bad. At the end of the day, it is the intention of the practitioner. Many factors play into magic, both white and black. Uh, numerology, the Kabbalah, tarot, astrology, names and numbers, all of which, when considered, can help influence the spell, etc. 
The black magician focuses on the negative aspects of those things. For example, the name, the number, and the astrology, especially to help make their intent more effective. So they're going to look for a name or a number or an astrological sign that fits that negative path to help enforce whatever it is they're sending out. Mm. So a portion of this book was on the magician creating the philosopher's stone. However, their version of the stone allows you to convert any metal to gold with this stone. In order to get gold, however, you need to start with gold. So weird that you would have to have some gold to put into your stone so that you can have a stone that turns other Things. metals to stone. To stone. Or to gold. To gold, I mean. Yeah. So with that in mind. That's pretty much every role-playing game kind of theme. you got to have these ingredients to. Exactly. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, it's true. In order to get gold, you have to have gold. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't put much stock in the stone's magic ability. You cannot make gold. As I said, without gold, there are claims that the alchemists were successful in making said stone, but no one is named specifically. It would certainly have been common knowledge if a person was able to access unlimited riches of gold, because that's what it would do. Mm. And further, Crowley would not have had financial troubles if the making of said stone was possible. You would think. That would have been one of the first things he set out to, to do. You would think. Yeah. As he would have made it his mission to make said stone, unless we want to consider that he wasn't quite the magician everyone claimed him to be. Uh, he was just probably too whacked out on drugs and screwing everything. So get a load of this. A byproduct. Including people. Of making the philosopher's <laughs> stone was the elixir of life, mm. whose possession claimed to restore youth to the elderly, elderly virility to the impotent, Innocence and happiness to the world weary. So it's like the movie Cocoon. Healed the cripple, cured diseases, resurrected the dead. Man. And some of those suspected of having the elixir were the Count of um, Count de St. Germain mm-hmm. and Sir Francis Bacon. St. Germain and Bacon are supposed uh, emissaries from... I thought you were going to say Sir Mix-a-Lot. No, from the Secret Brotherhood. The Secret Brotherhood are a group of masters whose headquarters are said to be in the Himalayas and are attempting to guide humanity along higher paths. In keeping with this thought, there are also claims that St. Paul is now living in Crete and that Jesus is now a Syrian living in Lebanon. So they're chilling in Lebanon. Yep. They're saying that they had the elixir Mm -hmm. and that St. Paul and Jesus are still very much alive. They're just, you know, they're they're not St. Paul or Jesus. Yeah, they're just drinking wine somewhere. (laughs) St. Paul's now Cretan Mm. from Crete. Yeah. And Jesus is Syrian. Okay. So St. Germain hung out in the highest circles in France, winning the favor of Madame de Pompadour in 1759 with his water of rejuvenation. He was enormously rich, a skillful violinist, painter, and chemist, had a photographic memory, and spoke 11 languages fluently, including Chinese, Arabic, and Sanskrit. He claimed to have the Philosopher's Stone in his possession and to be 2,000 years old. 
One of his claims was to be a wedding guest at Cana when Jesus turned water into wine. Really? His longevity was attributed to his diet and his elixir. The elixir survives today as St. Germain tea, which is a laxative made from senna. His diet consisted of oatmeal, groats, and white chicken meat with the occasional wine. For 2,000 years. You know, like at the wedding in Cana. For 2,000 years, that's what he ate. That's it. Same thing. Yep. Alcohol has long been a popular elixir until recently alcohol was another term for elixir or water of life. Some medieval alchemists thought alcohol was a form of quintessence, the first fifth element of which the heavens are made. The process for the creation consisted of a still sunk in a dung bed, The alcohol condensed in the sill's projecting spout and was carried back into the still again, setting up a circulation. It then separated into into two layers, a turbid lower layer, which symbolizes the earth or the four elements, which was rejected, and a clear blue upper layer, which is the sky or quintessence. What this process actually produced was almost pure alcohol. So, a simple... Alcohol, elixir, is Dr. Stevens' water, a 17th century cure-all and prolonger of life. Take one gallon of good Gascon wine and add one dram each of ginger, galangal, cinnamon, nutmeg, grains, they don't say which ones, cloves, (laughs) fennel seeds, caraway seeds, origanum, a handful of sage, Wild marjoram, pennyroyal, I'm not done, mint, red roses, thyme, pellitory, rosemary, wild thyme, chamomile, and lavender. It's got to taste like shit. You bruise the herbs and grind the spices until they're small. Add them to the wine and let the mixture stand for 12 hours, stirring frequently. Mm. Then distill it, keeping the first distillate, the second... And the third. I wonder what they mean by stir frequently. I don't know. Do you think it's like Italians making sauce? Just like every time you walk past the pot, you got to stir. <laughs> you know, is that like a responsibility amongst everybody or just the person making it? I don't know. Uh, I mean. It, maybe that's why Italian sauce is so good. Maybe. Stirring frequently from potions like this maybe. for so a life elixir. This water comforts the vital parts and helps inward diseases that come of cold, and whoever uses this water moderately will make him seem young, seem young in his old age. Mm. So, I mean... I mean, honestly, you're going to be in good shape just gathering all that shit for that. Seriously. You know? Yeah. You got to forage, like, five miles. And they don't tell you what grains. Or different countries. So you're just out there, like... Yeah, it's just grains. What am I getting? I mean, how many grains did they have? I'm getting wheat. Yeah. Barley. Yeah, but they have, like, three, four grains. That's it. They probably had sorghum. Yeah. I don't know. I, You know what? I want to take that back. I don't want to offend any of the Italians out there. Sorry about sauce. I meant gravy. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Isn't that just like a New Jersey thing? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so getting back to the philosopher's stone and mm-hmm. gold and candidate. Yeah. And, you know, the stone is supposed to have gold in it 
and have the ability to turn things gold. However, the end product is supposed to be red. So Weird. gold is gold. <laughs> is it? Yeah, oh. it's golden color. God, I learn everything yeah, on I this. I know. So <laughs> let's talk about potable gold. Yeah. It's a supposed medicine for purifying the blood, preventing miscarriages, an antidote to poison, keeping the devil away if placed in a newborn's mouth, and especially for heart disease, as the heart and gold are ruled by the sun. Duh. A recipe from the 16th or 17th century to make potable gold yeah. begins with three pints of red wine vinegar and the ashes from a block of tin burnt in an iron pan. Mix these together and distill them repeatedly. Now, it doesn't say how many times repeatedly is. Yeah. So then you heat one ounce of gold in a crucible with white salt. Grind the mixture of gold and salt, heat it again, and wash it until the, um, the water has no taste of salt left. Add that to the vinegar tin mixture, one ounce to one pint, and evaporate to the consistency of honey, dissolve it in spirits of wine, and you have potable gold. Really? Yep. Just like that? Just, Bob's your uncle, done. Bickety-bam? Bickety-bam. Huh. So, you can't talk about black magic and not discuss the devil. The practitioner is summoning the powers of darkness in their practice. Their magic circle is made counterclockwise or wittershins and are usually um, there's usually some sort of sacrifice to keep the evil spirits from entering the circle and affecting the practitioner. The pentacle is placed with the bottom two points upward. This orientation of the pentacle is a symbol of the devil and attracts sinister forces because it is upside down and because it stands for the number two. It represents the great goat of the witch's Sabbath, and the two upper points are the goat's horns. Goats feature prominently in black magic, especially black goats. They're a preferred sacrifice or worshipped and noted as a form for Satan. So like when Satan comes to the Sabbath, he doesn't always come in like the shape or form of a man. Sometimes he, he attends as a as a goat. Mm. So, I mean, do they have crazy eyes? Absolutely. But some of them are adorable. Yeah. You know, they're not all evil creatures. Some of them are. But Great crazy creatures they are. <laughs> crazy creatures, goats. <laughs> I think it's just interesting the different roads that black arts and black magic go down. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it, it's just like this split of like millions of different areas. Mm-hmm. I know reading the Book of Forbidden Knowledge, which I have right here. Uh, yeah. So, Where do they stand on goats? Well, goats, they kind of hop all over the place. But getting back to uh, what you were talking about with gold. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. here's instructions to make a magnetic compass, which will serve to discover the treasures and ores in the earth. Okay. 
So for this purpose, a magnet made of the plasquum perfection, accompanied by the prime material of which all metals grow, is requisite. With this, the magnet of the compass must be strengthened. Same same uh, philosophy. Yeah. You got to have a magnetized compass yeah. in order to make a magnetized compass. Yeah. So around the compass are engraved the characteristic signs of all the seven metals. You okay. got to identify them. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, it doesn't know what to point Do to. Do they want the periodic? It just says characteristic signs. This is back from 1600, you got to oh, remember. Oh, so they didn't have the periodic yeah. table of the... So, so what was gold? You know, I don't know. They probably just had like a bird clutching a rock or something like that, you know? <laughs> so if it is desired now to ascertain what kind of metal is most likely to be found in a hidden treasure or in or beneath the earth, it will be only necessary to his to that particular spot. Confused yet? You should be. Where the magnetic rod has given the indication, but you must put your foot there where the perpendicular shows its attraction and take of every metal and a small piece that is one as heavy as the other and lay it upon the respective character and the needle will rotate to that metal, which predominates under the surface of the earth, and that's where it'll stand still. That's how you do it. It's just that just easy. Easy directions. So, you know. I mean, the Black Arts does have yeah. the instructions to make a philosopher's stone. But, I mean, guys, you got to have gold first. Yeah. And they don't give you clear instructions well, because that's part of the journey. You want clear instructions? Yeah. Roses are everywhere. Yes, they are. But a magic rose. Okay. You got to gather your rose on the 27th of June. Okay. And let it be full-blown and bright red as you can get. Okay. Pluck it between the hours of 3 and 4 in the morning. So you got to find this rose between like 1 and 2, you know. And pluck it. Because you got to gather it. it. You got to gather it that day. Then you got to pluck it between the hours of 3 and 4 in the morning. Yep. Taking care to have no witness of the transaction, mm-hmm. super secret. Yep. Convey it to your uh, convey it to your chamber and hold it over a charting dish or any convenient utensil for the purpose in which there is charcoal and sulfur or brimstone. Hold your rose over the smoke about five minutes. About. Okay. And you will see, it'll have a wonderful effect on the flower. Before the rose gets the least cool, clap it in a sheet of writing paper on which is written your own name and that of the young man you love best. Also, the date of the year and the name of the morning star that has the ascendancy at that time. Fold it up and seal it neatly with three separate seals. Then run and bury the parcel at the foot of the tree from which you gathered the flower. Here, let it remain untouched till the 6th of July. Mm -hmm. Take it up at midnight, go to bed, place it under your pillow, and you will have a singular and most eventful dream before morning, or at least before your usual time of rising. You may keep the rose under your head three nights without spoiling the charm. When you are done with the rose and the paper, be sure to burn them. 
See, that's clear. I mean, it is pretty. It's, yeah, it is pretty distinct. It's a magic rose. It'll give you, like, dreams. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, like, I I read. I probably read like 300 pages of this stuff. Yeah, same. 300, 400 pages in an evening. Yeah. And I know people are saying, Frank, that's impossible. You breeze through a lot of it. Yeah. But but I covered every page to look at titles and scan through. I I speed read in that sense Mm -hmm. to where I'm just gathering concepts. So it was amazing to find instructions for like divination regarding dreams, Mm -hmm. handling of objects like roses and love letters and rings how to handle lucky and like uh, fortunate and unlucky days. Mm-hmm. Like this book just has a list of yeah. like, these are the unlucky days yeah. of the year. Yep. And these are the lucky days. And then there's fortunate hours of certain days and certain yes. months. Yep. There's the uh, Metra Grammaticism, the art of fortune telling by like the transpositioning of names. Mm-hmm. It's like a numerology of names. Yeah. Uh, Children born in the importance of their actual natal hour. Yep. And they had the breakdown of the weeks. Yep. So, you know, like a baby that was born on like Saturday, that was fucking terrible I or something like that. I can't even tell you how much time was spent going into the detail about how important the exact time of your birth was with yeah. regard to the astral chart because... <laughs> It's not just your sun sign, it's your moon sign. Oh, no, it's all that stuff. The house that it's in, and I was just like, can we get to the point, please? No, You know, and, of course, the lucky stones and all that type of stuff. And, you know, basically the lucky stones are your birthstones. You know, for the most part, that's a good place to start. Well, it depends on but, what you're trying to do. If you know, you like, want if you want luck and love. No, I'm saying to start. Carry, carry rose quartz. Yeah, you know, apparently, I didn't have any rose quartz. Found you fine. You know, I had rose. Or is it quartz. just for ladies? You know. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's all these instructions when burying people, when uh, sores fail to open. When you encounter fresh wounds, mm-hmm. I don't know. That might be good for monkeypox. I don't know. Uh, there's there's stuff in here to compel a thief to return stolen property. Oh, nice. Yeah. Can't we? Can we just say that spell or do that spell <laughs> and just let Bada the bang. chips fall where they may? Yeah. To discern in a mirror uh, what an enemy designs at the distance of three miles or more. So if it's two and a half miles, you're shit out of luck. Yeah. Violent toothaches, eye water, which makes the sight clear so that spectacles are no longer needed. Yeah. To make yourself invisible. Nice. Yeah, that's on here. I don't know where. I can't remember. But the funny part is, is how to charm those whom you meet and love. Uh Uh-huh. You ready for this? Okay. So when you desire to make anyone love you with whom you meet, although not personally acquainted with him, you can very readily reach him and make his acquaintance. If you observe the foregoing instructions, in the addition to the following directions, suppose you see him coming towards you in an unoccupied mood or he is recklessly or passively walking past you, all that remains for you to do at that moment 
is to concentrate your thought and send it into him as before explained. And to your astonishment, if he was passive, he will look at you. And now is your time to send a thrill to his heart by looking him carelessly, though determinedly, into his eyes and praying with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength that he may read your thought and receive your true love, which God designs, which I had, I love all the God in here for black arts and all that. It's something which God designs. We should bear one another this accomplished and you will need not and must not wait for a cold hearted, fashionable and traditional Christian introduction. Neither should you hastily run into his arms, but continue operating in the psychological manner, not losing any convenient opportunity to meet him at an appropriate place when an unembarrassed exchange of words will open the door to the one so magnetized. It goes on. I'll stop. But apparently, ladies, I don't know if you know this, but if you just put the thought in your mind and stare at a guy and try to put it in his mind, he's going to be really attracted to you. Yeah. Because he's a guy and you're paying attention to him. Yeah. And he's like, I might get laid. Yeah. <laughs> she seems into me. Yeah. This could this could be good for me. Yeah, that's been happening, I don't know, since the beginning. Oh, you know. Wow. Yeah. So do you want to talk about the Lords of Darkness? Yeah, go for it. So... The Lords of Darkness is who the black, the black practitioner is trying to contact. These are spirits of the seven planets, days of the week, the hours of the night and day, signs of the zodiac, the cardinal points, some good, some evil, mm-hmm. and included are the elementals. In the 5th century, Proclus divided spirits into five groups. Four of them connected with the elements of fire, air, water, and earth, and a fifth group which lived underground. Celis, in the 11th century, added a sixth category, Lucifugum. They are, quote, fly the light. In the 16th and 17th century, authors added uh, the fire spirits are described as living in the upper heavens and having no contact with men. Spirits of the air are ferocious and violent. They hate human beings, cause storms, and make themselves visible bodies out of the air. Water spirits, which are cruel, passionate, and deceitful, generally appear in female shape. Hmm, weird. They wreck ships, drown swimmers, and spirits of the earth live in the woods. Some are friendly to men, but some set traps for them and lead travelers astray. Mm. The spirits who live underground are exceptionally malicious. They attack miners and treasure hunters, cause earthquakes and eruptions, lure people below ground to their deaths. They sound like fun. The fly the lights, which never appear in the daytime, are entirely beyond human understanding or control. They are mysterious, restless, and icily malignant whatever that means (laughs) they pursue and kill those incautious enough to travel at night so i guess you don't travel at night yeah though most sound advice (laughs) though most grimoires are more concerned with bigger game the princes of evil fallen Mm. angels the great lords of darkness themselves you want the top 10 list why not okay 
Number one, Satan or Moloch. Mm-hmm. Two, Beelzebub or Beelzebub. Yeah. Two, Lucifuge. Uh, I'm sorry, that's three. three. Yeah. Four, Ashtaroth. Five, Asmodeus. Six, Belphegor. Seven, Baal. Eight, Adramelech. Nine, Lilith. Ten, Nama. Lilith. The last two being demonesses. Yeah. So in Jewish tradition, they throttle newborn babies and seduce men in their sleep, mm-hmm. sucking their blood. Nama's origins are not known. Lilith was probably the Lilithu originally, and an an Assyrian demoness who had wings and long disheveled hair. There is a story that King Solomon at first suspected the Queen of Sheba as being Lilith. The most common legend is that she was Adam's first wife, created by God out of filth and mud, from Adam's union with her, sprang Asmodeus, and hosts of other demons. Eve was not created until later, until after Adam and Lilith had created the demons. So necromancy and psychic attacks are also features in black magic. Necromancy literally means divination of the dead with an aim to discover the future. So supposedly because the dead... Uh, are dead, they no longer are bound by the limitations of the mortal physical plane, so they can see events of the future and be compelled to reveal them. So you got to bring up someone from the past that's been to the future to learn about the future. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or, Or they can be a reanimated corpse to complete the task of the practitioner Mm -hmm. to either harm or master Magicians believe they can send their concentration attack to another. They think the battle between Crowley and Mather from the Golden Dawn, that was uh, to necromancy spirits mm-hmm. fighting each other. Mm-hmm. They can also use elementals or other spirits to torment their victim. So, Why not? Symptoms of a successful psychic attack include extreme fear. Anxiety, mental distress, bruises on the body, sometimes in the form of a goat hoof or an ace of clubs, broad smears of slime, sometimes with footprints in them, the smell of decomposing flesh, poltergeist phenomena, I'm not done, inexplicable outbreaks of fire, and a sinister sound called the astral bell, which can vary from a clear bell-like note to a faint click. Mm. So, I mean... That's pretty broad. super clear. I don't know what you're talking about. It's pretty broad. It's super specific. (laughs) Well, that's what I find, too, is a lot of them are, like, totally broad, could mean one of 50 things. Or it's this very specific thing that's nearly impossible to obtain. And that's where I got to laugh, like, in this time period... Where I could kind of see where people were like, so let's see, I can do, I can try to do all of this to make everything right. Mm -hmm. And then Christianity comes and says, you can just pray. 
Mm-hmm. So that's all I got to do is pray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do I pray about? Anything you want. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever means the most for you, your fears, mm-hmm. throw it out. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of people that were like, yeah, you know, I'm going to try this out. It's kind of like the. You uh, mean I don't have to forage for days? <laughs> I mean, I don't have to go out on an adventure. You mean I don't have to leave my house and at get two in the morning different herbs and get to the perfect place for the, so that at three, at precisely three, three yeah. I can harvest said item? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I look at it like. It's almost like they're cheating. I look at it like dieting. I think like <laughs> the black arts and black magic were like, look, you got to run in the morning. You got to go to the gym in the afternoon. You got to eat all this food. You know, you got to, you can't eat this, but you can eat that, you know, and, and you got to do it at these certain times of day. And then there was this other diet that came out where it's like, dude, you just take this pill. Yeah. When? Whenever you want. want. How many? As many as you like. Yeah. But just this one pill. Yep. And I think everybody was just like, yeah, you know, I'm not doing that other thing anymore. Yeah. You can keep your CrossFit. Yeah. I'm just gonna do the yoga. <laughs> you can keep your you can keep your CrossFit keto. Uh, it's good times. Yeah, yeah. So, that's that's how I looked at this when I was reading all this. I was just like, yeah, I could kind of see where the transition happened. I could see where there were people that were just like, yeah, you know, I think I'm gonna give this a shot. It's working for it's working for Solomon. It's working for uh, for James. It's working for Lilith, you know. <laughs> Maybe I should give it a try. You know, what have I got to lose? They seem a lot more carefree at the market. So in order for a practitioner to enact a spell against another, they need hair, nail clippings, etc. They need something Man, personal. Hair, I'm out. From their intended <laughs> victim. Well, hey, clothing works too. This is why most all witches do not allow others to get a hold of any of their personal items, including clothing, to prevent it from being used against them and giving strength to a spell or curse to be cast upon them. Crowley would not let anyone. He kept all of his nail trimmings, Mm -hmm. his hair, all that stuff. He He kept it away from everyone. I think this is where you're getting into the psychology of spells, you know. Because I think I'm a firm believer that if you let somebody in to ruin you, they're going to ruin you. Correct. Yes. And that's not even them being in your life and talking to them. That's in your mind. Yes. It can corrupt you. Yes. So I see the whole bit where I had this conversation with somebody who was way into witchcraft, spells, mm-hmm. black magic, mm-hmm. black arts. Mm-hmm. And I had this discussion with her. I was like, look, I'm like, if you walked up to a stranger or even worse, someone you knew mm-hmm. and you just like took a piece of their clothing or their hair, mm-hmm. it was just like, I'm going to ruin you mm-hmm. and walk away. The right person, which is most people mm-hmm. that would, that would just like bore into them like a, a worm. Right. Yes. You know, just like an earworm, it would bore into them and it'd be like, why the hell did she do that? Yeah. It's a mind game. Why, why'd she do that? Why Why the hell did she fucking do that? Right. What does she, what does that mean? What is it going to, you know, and just yeah. like, bam, it yeah. starts. Spirals. Yeah. Yes. And that's where I look and it's like, yeah, there's no magic there. The no. magic is the psychology of it. Right. 
and and the head game. Right. And yes. just like because you get somebody who's very neurotic or very like a hypochondriac, mm-hmm. which is honestly like half the fucking population. Of yeah, the planet. odds are pretty good. You're going to come across. You're going to come person. across someone mm-hmm. like that. And that's who you're going to destroy. Yes. Now you've got this other like 20 percent that that would bother for a bit, but eventually like it wear away. Mm-hmm. But you look back at it before any of that was really kind of put together mm-hmm. in a big way. Yeah. Yeah, of course you're going to fuck people up like that. Yeah. And that's where I say, like, people got a bad rep for that shit. Yeah. Because they pulled that crap, and it's just mind games. So it should be noted that black magicians do not have to be a devil worshiper where they participate in the black mass, but it appears some do. This book references witches who claimed of contracts with the devil, participation in the witch's Sabbath, Sex with the devil in one of his forms. These were people who were not tortured, nor did they ever repent to spare their souls. So, holy cow, let's discuss a couple. <laughs> Anne-Marie de Giorgio and Catherine Delort were two, <clears throat> two elderly witches of Toulouse who were tried in 1335. They confessed they had belonged to Satan's host, for the past 20 years and had given themselves to him for this life and the next. They had attended the weekly Sabbaths and had committed, quote, all manner of excesses, end quote, with other men and women there. Both believed that God and the devil were equal powers, God ruling the sky and the devil ruling the earth. Catherine Delort believed that Christianity would soon be destroyed. This was 1335. Mm. Anne-Marie de Giorgel said one day outside of town, she saw, quote, a man of huge stature coming toward her across the water, end quote. He was dark-skinned, his eyes were fiery, and he was dressed in animal skins. He asked her to give herself to him, and she said yes. He blew into her mouth, and from the following Saturday on, Quote, she was born to the Sabbath simply because it was his will, end quote. At the Sabbath, there was a huge he-goat, and after greeting him, she submitted to his pleasure. The goat taught her incantations, spells, and the secret of poisonous plants. He told her to honor the devil and offend God by making sacrilegious communions. She used the secrets the goat taught her and had done all the harm that she could. Catherine Delort, who had also done all the harm she could, had been introduced to witchcraft by her lover, a shepherd. Mm. On Sabbath nights, she fell into a strange sleep during which she was carried to the Sabbath. There, she adored the he-goat, served his pleasure, and that of all the others present. She said they drank revolting liquids and ate tasteless food. They also feasted on the corpses of newborn children. So the Sabbath plays out as follows per Aurorus Gazariorum, mm. written in about 1450. And initiate is taken to the synagogue, quotes, by their sponsor and presented to the devil, who is in the form of an imperfect man or animal, usually a cat, goat, dog, etc. They take an oath to be faithful to the devil in society and come whenever summoned, society being like the coven. They must bring in new members, 
reveal none of the society's secrets, and to avenge all injuries done to its members. They also promise to kill children aged three and under, do their best to impede marriages by sorcery. After this, they adore the devil, kiss his backside, and the devil gives the new servant a staff and a box full of magic, ointments, and powders. Then they feast, chewing on roasts and broiled babies as delicacies. Then they dance. The lights are put out and the devil cries, Mestler Mestlet, or Melez Melez, and there follows an orgy that makes no regard to sex or familial relationship. Mm. The lights come back on, there's more feasting and drinking, and anyone who breaks a rule is severely beaten. Before leaving, they urinate and evacuate into a cask, which they say is done in contempt of the sacrament. So there were about a dozen people who mentioned this pact with the devil and the Sabbath. None of these people confess these things while being tortured, as opposed to those who did confess under torture. Their stories are very similar, regardless of the location or which century they were taken into custody, which is what fueled the flames of the witch hunts. Mm. It can be assumed that at least some of these people may have actually been witches and may have taken the details from the early confessions as a roadmap to, quote, become a witch. So in other words, those who felt like outsiders or less than, and you, they used those confessions as a way to make themselves part of something. Part of something, yeah. Yep. So members are to turn from God, spit at the mention of his name in mass, or laugh. They must not consume the host and are encouraged to take it, spit it out, and then later defile it afterward. Mm. The devil supposedly has another face on his ass, and that's where the obscene kiss is. Is so that when where the they, term ass face came from? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And But this obscene kiss, kissing this ass. Ass face. Ass face is noted by many. Of the witches. Mm. And orgies are always mentioned, as is bisexuality. Yeah. All of it features prominently throughout. But there was about 10 to 12 people listed who were convicted and gave testimony as witches, some of them being... Like, right up until the time of their death, they're like, repent, repent, and your soul can be saved. And they're like, eh, I had a good master. And they just died. Yeah. However, yeah, the... Whatever they were doing at the time. Yeah. It was... It was a different time, man. That, I will say, ups- in reading this, that's what triggered me the most. I was like, holy shit. Holy shit, because it was like from different it didn't didn't matter, like different states, different countries. Yeah. Different centuries. Mm-hmm. They all had similar versions. That's the weird thing when you start reading about historical accounts of things and you realize that in certain areas similar things were happening and it was really kind of impossible for them to network up. Yeah. You know, and and make that happen. Mm-hmm. And it's it's strange in those regards. 
that was what was unnerving. Yeah. Reading that book. I was like, shit. You know? Did they? Was it? You never know. That's the whole thing about it. Yeah. It's weird because do you have more stuff or? No, no. You know, because like it was funny. I was I was reading about all this stuff and I have a tendency to look back at it and be like, yeah, it was back then. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that like people do do it today and people don't want to admit to a certain point how they do it today. Um, so then, of course, timing's always just strange. I see this article and I sent it to you. This was yesterday. Yes. Yesterday, this is going around the news. It was on the mirror. Mm -hmm. It was on MSN. It was on some, some man smashes his way out of coffin after being buried alive when he passed out at a festival. So this dude, 30 years old, had a break out of a casket he was buried alive in, in this uh, region of Bolivia, 50 miles away from where he passed out. This horrified festival goer has told how he woke up in a coffin after being buried alive when he passed out during a drinking session. Mm -hmm. Terrified, uh, I won't say his name, broke out of the casket after waking up in the municipality of this place, 50 miles from where he passed out uh, in Bolivia. Mm -hmm. He was boozing the night before at the opening of the Mother Earth Festival where people give thanks to nature and the natural world. He now believes that other partygoers have buried him alive as an offering to the planet on August 6th. He told local media, uh, last night was the pre-entry of the festival. We went dancing, and afterwards, I don't remember. The only thing I remember is that I thought I was in my bed. I wanted to get up to go urinate, and I couldn't move. When I pushed the coffin, I was able to break a glass that it had, and that way I was able to get out. They wanted to use me as a, uh, I think it's called a Sulu, mm-hmm. um, and that's a offering, basically, or a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to add insult to injury, when uh, he reported this burial to the police, they refused to believe him, saying he was too drunk. So the term Sulu refers to offerings that are commonly made to give back to Mother Earth or uh, Pacmama during August in Bolivia. These offerings often take the form of cocoa leaves or colorful sweets, but some say ancient human sacrifices and offerings are still carried out in secret. They got a picture of this dude, like dirt all over him. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's crazy. So then you got to sit there and say, is this shit happening still? And it has to. Yeah. I mean, it literally has to. I The the research that I've continued to do mm-hmm. on human trafficking is scaring the living shit out of me. Yeah. And you know me. I don't scare much yeah. at all. Yeah. I've seen a lot of crazy shit in my life. Right, yeah. Stuff that I'm not proud to see. Right. Stuff that I'm not proud to be witness of. Right. And But, this but a witness shit, of nonetheless. But a witness of nonetheless, you know, and sometimes an interactive party in certain situations. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I read about this shit with, with trafficking of people, and it's blowing my mind because it's happening right now. 
Yeah. And it's right out there. Yeah. And here's the thing. You don't have to look far to find it. Right. It literally is right in front of you yeah. right now. Yeah. I mean, especially the whole uh, Epstein thing. Mm-hmm. You got all this crap that's going on and they still, you know how, like, you know how much plutonium is touching that case mm-hmm. if they just don't even want to deal with it? Yeah. But yet they're doing all this other stuff that's going on now. Mm-hmm. How bad is it? I'm telling you right now, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it to next year on this stuff, but I want to wait until next year mm-hmm. and have, I want to incorporate it into more of a regular kind of similar to cult of the month. Right. And yeah. I want to include this, whether it's going to be like a part of an episode of mm-hmm. This is what I'm working with and kind of test it out and see if people are into it. Can we call it, this is what you do it. Or if we don't get killed. Yeah. You know, because there's some of this shit I'm reading. I'm like, I don't even know if I can talk about. And now I realize why it's so secretive. Yeah. It's like, Jesus. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely crazy. And so, yeah, these sacrifices and stuff like that, I do believe it. Yes. I do believe that it's going on. I think people I think are very convinced in it. And Midsummer is accurate. I think uh, Wicker Man is accurate. I think there are sacrifices. There could be these remote happen. lands that yeah. are that are like that. Um, but this I, I definitely firmly believe that there is closed door sacrifices that are going on with groups of people. Mm-hmm that have money and resources Mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's what everybody has to realize with, this is my intro topic with human trafficking, is human trafficking isn't a poor man's game. No. Smoking crack is a poor man's game. Correct. Smoking meth is a poor man's game. Yes. Screwing a hooker on the side of the road behind a dumpster, that's a poor man's Mm -hmm. game. Mm -hmm. But human trafficking itself, Mm -hmm. that is a rich Wealthy, it's not even rich. That's a, a wealthy, wealthy person's game. Mm-hmm. And and it's just shown from time to time to time. It's a very, very wealthy person's game. Yeah. And you start thinking about it. How, you know, the retrieval of people, mm-hmm. whether they're kids or adults or young women or whatever. Right. And gathering these people and getting them together and transporting them and doing all of this literally in plain sight around everybody, but everybody be unnoticed about it. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's literally insane that someone could just think that, oh yeah, this exists, but not connect it to Mm -hmm. this Uber wealthy type position. And then you got to ask, what are they doing with these people? Mm -hmm. Is it literally just sex is it just, you know, and, and I, this is what I'm getting into is like, it is, it's for working mm-hmm. so people can have cheap things. Mm-hmm. It's for, uh, basically doing things that are illegal that people don't want to get caught with and they're just wasteful material. Mm-hmm. And then there's the sex trade, which is totally relevant mm-hmm. and, and again, right in front of you, but yet people just don't want to. Make us think about it. It's amazing the hills that people want to die on right. for their causes. Yeah. And it's like, you know, here's this thing with human trafficking and no one's just doing anything. No. And I laugh because people sitting there, what do you want to do? Just fucking talk about it. 
Yeah. Just start talking about it like we are right mm-hmm. now. You know, yeah. and there's some people that are doing some pretty awesome podcasts. And I'm going to throw them out in the space and right. stuff like that. But like the latest one that I listened to, the one you turned me on to with the fashion designer and the fashion mogul. Oh, Peter Nygaard? Peter Nygaard. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Peter Nygaard and Epstein are the perfect examples of how this is done. Mm-hmm. And and there's information out there about it. Just yeah. look it up. Yeah. It's just easily accessible. Easily accessible. Yep. That's all you got to do is just type Nygaard's name. Mm-hmm. Type Epstein's name. Yep. And you're going to hear these stories. Mm-hmm. And, and then you got to ask yourself, like, how the hell did Epstein go through the court system like he did? Screw the mysterious dying in the cell thing. Right. Which, honestly, if you think he committed suicide, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Yeah. I, I used to tiptoe around listeners at this point, but, like, I'm sorry. We got to start drawing lines here. Right, yeah. Where's the end of your, where's your Rubicon? Where's the yeah. the point of your last, like, where you can't turn back? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and where do you stop and say, I'm not going any further? Like, if you believe Epstein killed himself, you're fucking, you're an idiot. Yeah. And then you've got Nygaard who has all this going on. Mm-hmm. And even that just goes to a certain bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they only talk. They're just them. shuffling them around between yep. Canada and New York, yep. Canada and New York. Mm-hmm. And once it builds up a little steam, oh, he gets pulled back yep. into Canada, he and then he gets over the to New one. York. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just like how this guy was now Nygaard. They're all attacking because he was the nucleus of all of it. Right, he was pulling yes. everything in. Yeah, but he was still inviting people over and celebrities for parties and oh, all yeah. that. And yeah. the celebrities, after the fact, are like, "Yeah, no, nah, I was at one of the parties, and yeah, it was pretty messed up. I think it was like Jessica Alba or something like that." And like right. she came out and said something, you know, the fact that no, I didn't like what I saw over there. Well, you you uh, didn't do anything. You didn't about fucking it. do anything about it. You didn't say anything, no. and you got your celebrity power that yep. you flaunt doing all uh-huh. this other shit. Yeah, it's like yeah. Yeah, there's some big fucking players behind this shit. Mm-hmm. Huge players. Yeah. And I'm sorry if there's people putting themselves out on the line that are podcasts and they're just reporters or mm-hmm. nobody's like you and I that are putting themselves out to talk about it, then maybe you could lean into your star power. Just maybe an ounce, <laughs> you know, just a little bit. Lean so into it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Just oh, it aggravates the living shit out of me. However, this is funny. I'm just seeing this right on here. Asteroid flies past Earth 27 times faster than the speed of sound. All right. In a vacuum. All right. So you can't hear sound. Doesn't make a sonic boom. You know. They need to come up with something else in space. Bye, asteroid. <laughs> need, they need to come up with something other than the speed of sound in space. That's uh, that doesn't make any sense. So, what do we got next? Uh, next episode. Well, it's cult of the month. It sure is cult of the month. And we have. This was a listener request. Listener requested. Yep, Scotty requested this. Gotta That's tell you, requested it. N- never heard of this cult before. I heard about it. Well, what is it? And then we'll, it's uh, the Process Church of the Final Judgment, and that just rolls off the tongue. Don't all of them they just do. roll right off? They I mean, do. the introductions of Waco with the 
blah, 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 <laughs> branch of video, blah, 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 you know. The root of the branch of the storm. <laughs> <laughs> the stick. Uh, I originally heard of the Process Church, which I think a lot of people heard about it, was through Son of Sam, the Netflix documentary okay. recently. As of recent, that's where I think a lot of people have heard about the Process Church. Okay. Uh, I originally heard of them when just reading things about Manson. Got it. Many, yes. many moons ago. Yeah. Because that's really when they got <laughs> pop popular, I guess. I mean, um, I guess. I am just amazingly interested, as all cults. Yeah. I just have this, you know, some people have morbid, fasc not morbid, but just real fascinations with... Uh, criminals and yes. serial killers and I will say you know, UFOs and I all that. I do find the serial killer, yeah, fascinating. It's hard not to. No, like it's I like your your psychosis or, or your your makeup of who you are is so askew mm -hmm. that. Like normal human behavior is odd to you. Well, you know what I mean? Here's what I find interesting with serial killers is there's a prism there of of options. Mm -hmm. You have like the animal, which is like right. the Richard uh, Ramirez. Ramirez, yes. Like total animal. Mm -hmm. Like just wild, loose cannon, yep. just, yep. you know, on, mm -hmm. always on. Yes. And, and then you have the one that's what I, lack of a better term, could call the domesticated serial killer. Right. Who knows how to act in public. Mm -hmm. Puts on the show like nobody's business. Can be the family man. Yep. Go to church mm -hmm. or just be active in a, uh, um, a public group of some kind mm -hmm. or organization. Yeah. And just fit the role of the normal person that nobody would ever think of, and yet they do all this crazy stuff. Right, that, yeah. And and you realize, I think, the interesting part of it is, is that's the show. You know, that's yeah. the, uh, like a magician will do misdirection. Yeah. You know, look at all this. Well, that's like the Green River Killer. The dude had a wife and oh, yeah. family and yeah. was a was highly Hiding in plain sight. In his church, yeah. like... Hiding in plain yeah. sight. Yeah. You know. So I get where people have that interest. For me, it's cults. I'm yeah. just, I'm yeah. way into cults. Mm -hmm. I can't get into cults deep enough other than yeah. being in one. Right. You like, know, and, but to me, again, the psychology is fascinating yeah. to me. Because you get, here's. Of all the things you could do. Well, no, because <laughs> it's kind of like serial killers in that same, mm -hmm. that's why I brought up the prism. Because cults are the same. You get this prism of people. You've got like the devoted, always on. Yep. But then you've got the person who's kind of the uh, the closet person, just like testing it out, checking it out. Mm -hmm. And then what's really weird is you've got like these super intelligent people. They're like scientists. They're, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people with, this is where I don't give a whole lot of credit to master's degrees and PhDs right, and, yeah. and things like that, because you get these people that come in and they go all in on it. Right. 
And it's like, you should be smarter than this. Right. You yeah. know, and it just shows that not so much. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think, you know, again, common sense rules the day <laughs> every single day. But, but the psychology of it to me is amazing. Like you get these groups of people together and you'll get a couple that just have this idea. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's interesting with a cult because like there's this small group and they're like the core. Mm-hmm. They're the nucleus of this group. And then there's everyone else. Yeah. And everyone else is where it starts getting fucking weird. And then the person either gets convinced that there's some godly thing or right. they're this higher form of something. They might say they're the higher form all the time, but it's like the more people that get attached to it, the weirder. The higher it, the form. Oh, the weirder yeah. it gets and the higher the form. And also just how people get sucked into it. And you start looking at the psychology and the Milgram exper- you know, yeah. experiments and all these experiments that have uh, just basically said, this is how it works. This is how people yeah. do it. And you sit there and say, oh, man, I could never get into something like that. And uh, and you hope you don't. Right. That's uh, the thing with like a serial killer, like a serial killer. Like I could pretty safely say I'm probably not a serial killer. You know, I could safely say that I'm not one and I'll never be one. It's a bold statement, Kyle. Yeah. But like a, but a cult, you got to be careful. Yeah. Because a cult is so maneuverable. And I'd like to say I'm not like that, but you don't know. And that's where I'm preempting up to the process church where I had a real revelation after what, eight cults now? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I really found something, like something clicked on looking at this one. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to share it okay. on the next episode. I'm very excited about it. And I'm just excited to talk about the process because it's a pretty it's a yeah. pretty cool story. I so, guess that's one way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So with that being said, mm-hmm. rule number one. No Ouija boards. Number two. No dolls. Rule three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Six. No apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. Mm -hmm. Seven. Don't let the black-eyed children in. Don't do it. Or talk to them or look at them. Probably not even think about them. Just ghost them. Yep. And last but not least. Just listen. Yeah. Thanks for listening, folks. We love you. If you, um, we see a lot of new listeners coming through, and we'd like to give you our warm welcome aboard, as we always do. Welcome to Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. (laughs) Keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. We do make sudden stops, (laughs) there will be sudden quick movements. No, thanks for listening. We really enjoy it. We hope you uh, tell everyone you know about us. We don't do any advertising or anything we don't. like that. So we we don't do anything. Your word of mouth is uh, great. <laughs> word of mouth and algorithms. That's what's helping. That's us what out. we got. Yeah, and I don't say I don't think the algorithms are working as much as we'd like. So <laughs> the word of mouth is really That's working we very very well. Yes. The good old fashioned uh, tell a friend. So. Yeah. We uh, hope you have a wonderful day, a lovely week. And make good choices. Take care.